Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Great to be with you on a Monday. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend and are back into the swing of things here on a Monday. A lot of ground to cover, as always, in our 60 minutes between 11 and noon. And we're going to start right off uh, talking about uh, what to expect this week, uh, kind of framing things in terms of what will happen in the impeachment hearings this week, what it means uh, short term and long term, what the strategies are and what we should be thinking about, what we should be watching for as this continues to to play out. Uh, we'll also be uh, joined coming up at 1120 uh, by Ashley May, the communications director from the United Wage. Uh, we, of course, we've had uh, Black Friday. We have Cyber Monday today. Everybody is spending a lot of people buying for themselves. But then remember, we have Giving Tuesday tomorrow. And so we'll have Ashley weigh in with some opportunities to serve and make a difference in our community. 1135, Ben McAdams, a representative from the 4th District, will join us talking about a uh, new resolution that he has introduced to protect children from inappropriate content on digital apps. Really important stuff. Uh, so uh, Congressman Ben McAdams will join us at 1135 today. And then you don't want to miss our last segment today, 1150. Uh, we are going to go through and talk about what a difference a day makes and some very interesting historical components to that and what it means to each of us today. As always, I want to hear what's on your mind. You can weigh in on the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. Again, 57500, Utah Community Credit Union text line. Always want to know what's on your mind. Uh, also, if you happen to miss a segment of the show and you want to go back and Check that out either on a podcast or you can always download the KSL News Radio app sponsored by Any Hour Service. A great way to make sure you don't miss a thing and are in part of all of these important conversations that impact us right here in the state of Utah and across the country. All right, so let's uh, do a little reset here on a Monday. Impeachment uh, is moving forward. Tomorrow, you will uh, have uh, many members of the Judiciary Committee and, excuse me, the members of the Intel Committee. Uh, we'll be able to see the report that has been assembled, which really makes the case uh, for impeachment through the impeachment inquiry. That will be voted on, uh, and then will be passed over on Wednesday uh, over to the Judiciary Committee. So everything will shift from Adam Schiff, representative, uh, who was the head of the Intel Committee, move over to uh, Chairman Nadler. Representative Nadler heads the, judici the Judiciary. So 
uh, things will shift gears there. And everyone's trying to stake their claim and uh, get out in front from a messaging standpoint. That's what a lot of this is about. One of the fascinating things that we're seeing in this is throughout all of the hearings thus far, uh, the public opinion has not really moved either way. It is pretty much where it was uh, when they started the proceedings. So there hasn't been a big swing in terms of public opinion, which is often what happens in uh, in these. Again, we don't have a lot of these to, to base it off of. But if you look at Nixon, if you look at the Clinton impeachment proceedings, uh, again, very interesting in terms of where public support was for impeachment at the beginning and where it ended up at the end. I think one of the great uh, miscalculations by Newt Gingrich and company uh, during the Clinton administration was they thought that the public was already fully on board with them, that uh, the president needed to be impeached. And uh, the Clinton campaign and the administration uh, did a fabulous job uh, focusing on jobs, the economy, uh, working for the American people. Uh, and they were able to make the, the case to the American people that, look, the president's doing the people's business. He is focusing on his job, making things better for Americans. Uh, and so there, there was really never that public groundswell for impeachment uh, during the Clinton hearings. Uh, and so now we're kind of in this interesting space with, with, uh, with President Trump in that nobody's really moved at all. No one has been moved. You got about half the country that says, yeah, he should be impeached and moved out. Half the country saying, nope, he shouldn't. Uh, he should be able to do his job and, and continue on. Uh, which is why you're also seeing some interesting uh, things on the Democratic side. You've had uh, a number of members of the House, Democrats in the House, who have started to say, well, maybe maybe we don't want to do full articles of impeachment. Maybe we just want to censure the president. Uh, and I think they're starting to look at tough races in Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, those swing states that are so critical to a 2020 election that I think there are some people who are beginning to maybe second guess a little bit in terms of where this goes. You also had the president this morning uh, as he was getting ready to get on Marine One, uh, make his case as to, you know, what's going to happen this week. And so as he was getting ready uh, to get on uh, Marine One, this is what he said. For them to be doing this and saying this and putting an impeachment on the table, which is a hoax to start off with. All right. So he was really making this case that, hey, the president, of course, is leaving uh, to go to the NATO uh, meetings in London this week. And the president is really trying to invoke this uh, at water's edge. Uh, it's really sort of been the, the standard operating procedure in Washington that when the president is out of the country, uh, people are not hypercritical of the president. We're not doing big things to attack the president. Either party doesn't matter. Uh, and so the president was clearly trying to invoke a little sympathy there to say, hey, I'm going about the American people's business. I'm going to go over on an important foreign uh, mission over there. I'm going to meet with NATO and our NATO allies. And uh, here we're coming up on the 70th anniversary of NATO. Uh, so a lot of debate there in terms of what that means and uh, who's funding that and, and where that should go next. And the president just making the case, hey, we shouldn't be doing impeachment proceedings while I am out of the country. Uh, which is an interesting an interesting argument. I don't uh, disagree with the president on that. I think uh, timing does matter. I do think when our presidents, again, of either party, are out of the country, it is time uh, for us to just be united as a country. And we can set things aside for a, a few days while a president is out of the country, uh, that we don't need to be attacking them or undermining them uh, in uh, as they're in, 
interacting with foreign dignitaries, foreign uh, counterparts, uh, presidents and heads of other nations. So that will be a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, Also, as the uh, proceedings shift on the impeachment uh, hearings, as they shift over to the uh, Judiciary Committee, again, a whole new set of things will happen. Wednesday, we will have uh, hearings there. Most of these, I think, are going to be closed door. There'll be some in the public, and they're mostly going to be a lot of scholarly folks talking about what uh, what are high crimes and misdemeanors, what did the founders mean, and kind of creating the framework in, in terms of uh, what should happen and what the Judiciary Committee should do next. And so those will be very interesting things. You've also got a number of uh, people on the Republican side who are now making the case that Adam Schiff actually needs to be a witness, particularly if it goes to the Senate. And uh, so the, the battle the battle lines are still drawn. They're continuing to roll forward there. I, again, I don't think, think we're going to see anything this week that's going to be earth-shattering uh, or reframing the debate in terms of what it is. I, I think the challenge for both sides are as follows. I, I think for the Democrats, the challenge continues to be, is, is this the right fight? Do we, do we have what we need? To actually impeach the president, and is that the right thing to do for the country? Uh, is it going to be good for their presidential candidates in 2020? That's really the eye on the prize there, which again is why I think a lot of Democrats are starting to wonder just a bit in terms of is this <laughs> careful what you wish for category. Uh, not sure this is exactly the fight they want to be fighting as it moves forward. How will that impact their uh, their candidates rolling into 2020 and their ultimate nominee? For the president, I still think that the president just needs to get on a northbound train and just focus on the work of the American people. I think the more he gets stuck in the muck and the mire of all of this uh, and all the partisanship back and forth, uh, the less effective he is. And he's got a good economy rolling. Things are happening. It's uh, been a, a good year for the American people. Uh, he should just be on that message and keep that rolling, saying, hey, I'm doing the work of the people. This this other stuff is a distraction. Uh, and, and I think that's where uh, ultimately the president and his uh, folks are going to end up on their messaging. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about Giving Tuesday. So save some of your money on Cyber Monday. Uh, Giving Tuesdays up next right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, on a Monday. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving Day weekend. And, of course, as we plowed past uh, the snow of Thanksgiving and into Black Friday, uh, I did not venture out into uh, any shopping center, so I avoided that one pretty well. Uh, Went and saw Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood instead, which was uh, a great, great movie. 
then a, a great weekend. And of course, today is Cyber Monday. And as Heather Kelly just uh, described, it is the biggest shopping day of the year online and a lot of things going on there. And so we've, we've been spending. Uh, it's interesting to see how many of those purchases that were made Friday and today are actually personal <laughs> choices. We were having a discussion up in the in the newsroom on the fifth floor here in the Deseret News, and, and uh, we were all talking about the fact that uh, it was amazing. It's just amazing how uh, suddenly popping up uh, in your social media feed are all these ads for all the things that you want for yourself. <laughs> and uh, you find yourself saying, Wow, that's a great deal on that. I should get that for me. Uh, so there's a lot of focus on uh, the purchasing. Hopefully, we're purchasing for others. Uh, but I think there is a lot of buying going on uh, that is centered uh, on self and not others. And so that leads us to what tomorrow is all about. Uh, and that is Giving Tuesday. Very important day. Great opportunity. Really pleased to have uh, join us on the line, uh, Ashley May. She is the Communications Director for the United Way. Ashley, thanks for joining us on a Monday. Hi, Boyd. Thanks so much for having me. So we've been talking about all the spending that's going on, uh, most of it uh, very commercially driven, uh, even more self-centered than uh, giving to others. Uh, but tomorrow's an important day. Tell us tell us about what Giving Tuesday is really all about. Yeah, absolutely. So Giving Tuesday actually has been around for a few years now. It was started in 2012, and it's really just it's a simple idea. It's a day that encourages people to do good and to give back and get involved in their local communities. It's always on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So as you mentioned, it follows the Black Friday and follows Cyber Monday. And so after, you know, taking the weekend to, to spend and buy gifts for yourself and for others, it's, it's a good day to just sort of reset um, and, and give back a little bit. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's so important, too, that uh, I believe all of this is really designed to get down to the community level. So often we're looking for solutions to problems at the at the national level in Washington and uh, and things happening across the country. Big big organizations, uh, but your focus at the United Way in particular is is local. It's all about the local thing. So tell me what is what is the United Way working on uh, tomorrow as part of Giving Tuesday? So the United Way of Salt Lake this year we're focusing on giving back to our community schools. And so, like you mentioned, it's keeping it local. Um, Every donation goes right back into a community school in our area. And United Way's community schools are a little bit different. You know, they aren't just the home of a high-quality education for children. They actually serve as headquarters um, for additional services, such as food pantries and health care resources, these basic needs services that we provide for children to help them make school and learning um, their top priority, and so they don't need to worry about where their next meal is coming from or how they're going to get that tooth checked out that they've um, had, you know, a problem with, things like that. So um, that's where our focus is this year, is really giving back to the local schools and to the local kids in our community. And where's the best place for people to either donate, uh, engage, volunteer? What's uh, What should people do tomorrow? Yeah, there are a bunch of different ways to get involved. If you want to donate, um, any amount is appreciated, and it's easy to donate online at uw.org slash GivingTuesday. Um, you can read a little bit more about what uh, what work our community schools do and, and how you can get involved there. Uh, we also have a bunch of volunteer opportunities, especially around the holiday season, everything from vision screenings at our schools to um, reading events, um, we also have adopt-a-classroom opportunities where people can come in and, and help run holiday parties in our, in our community schools. 
And people can sign up and get more details about all of these events at volunteer.uw.org. Volunteer.uw.org. Fantastic. Uh, Ashley, thanks so much for joining us on a Monday. Again, uh, it's so important, this Giving Tuesday. Uh, And as you do that, as you get involved, as you make a donation, as you go out and and provide some service in the community, uh, make sure you post that on social media. Use the hashtag uh, Giving Tuesday uh, or hashtag GiveUnited, hashtag YouPowerChange. Uh, to get everybody engaged, I think these are some of the most important conversations uh, that we have in this community, and it's another way that, that Utah and Salt Lake in particular uh, are a great model, great window out to the nation. Ashley, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. All right, again, that's Ashley May from the United Way uh, as communications director there, uh, helping us uh, get ready for tomorrow. I think it's the most important of the three, from Black Friday to Cyber Monday to Giving Tuesday. I think that's an important thing for us uh, to remember. And there's so many opportunities around the the communities here in the state of Utah for people to engage. And this is such a great time of year to do that. Uh, our, uh, our hearts and minds tend to focus this way as we get to this uh, end of the year for some reason. And I think that's a good thing. I think we should extend it throughout the year a little bit better than we do. But there are just tremendous opportunities out there. And everything makes a difference. Uh, we're going to talk in our final segment today uh, about some amazing things. We're going to talk about Warwick Dunn, a former professional football player who has been giving away homes uh, to single mothers uh, for a decade now, and some amazing stories and some amazing lives that have been changed forever uh, because he was willing to engage and do something just a little different. So we'll continue to watch that. We'll uh, be te- uh, tuned into that uh, tomorrow for sure as we get full on into Giving Tuesday. So stay with us tomorrow. And uh, and as always, uh, let us know, what are you doing? What are you going to do for Giving Tuesday? Shoot us a text on our Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Let me know, what are you going to do tomorrow? I don't care what you're going to buy today necessarily, unless you got a really, really good deal that I should know about. You can uh, put that on the text line as well. But more important, I want to know, what are you going to do tomorrow to make a difference on Giving Tuesday. So uh, use that hashtag and, again, send us a text on the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500. All right, real quick, I want to uh, do a a fast update uh, on the 2020 Democratic presidential nominee race. Uh, We had a little change over the weekend. Steve Bullock uh, stepped out uh, from uh, Montana, former governor of Montana. And so his leaving the race, uh, not a big ripple there. He never really got traction, didn't really have any big debate moments uh, to speak of. And so it wasn't a a huge player in it. But the thing to watch, this may be the interesting thing nobody's really talking about, and that is if he decides that he is going to run for Senate in the state of Montana. Uh, If he just decided to get into that race uh, in a state that is uh, very purplish most of the time, Uh, That could really change the dynamic. I've been talking to some of my friends back in D.C. and uh, some folks from Montana, and they figure that if if Steve Bullock stays out of that Senate race, it'll probably be about a $3 million Senate race, and uh, the incumbent should be able to to hold on to that. Steve Daines uh, should hold on with no problem. If Mr. Bullock decides to get into the race, uh, that will go from a $3 million race to a $100 million race because it could actually end up deciding who controls the Senate. So we'll continue to watch that. I'm going to get my friend uh, Steve Daines, a uh, senator from Montana, to join us here uh, hopefully this week 
uh, give us some insight on what's happening there. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, Representative Ben McAdams will join us talking about a resolution he's put in to help protect your kids on apps. Stay with us. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. You're listening to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Sources. Inside Sources, Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a Monday. Uh, and as promised, uh, we are joined now by Representative Ben McAdams from Utah's 4th District, uh, who has introduced just before the Thanksgiving holiday a resolution to protect children from inappropriate content on digital apps. Uh, Congressman, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd. Great to be on with you. How was your Thanksgiving? Let's get the important stuff out first. And some great family time. It was good to be home in Utah and spend some time with my wife and kids and uh, remind uh, of all the things that there that we have to be thankful for. It's good, really good. And the and the really important question of the day: Does Utah make it into the college football championship? Oh, I'm thinking they do. We it was such a great game on Saturday, and uh, you know I think uh, we're feeling really good about it. So let's let's hope that they do. Exciting. I think that'd be fantastic. All right, we'll get on to the the, the work of the the people now in our nation's capital. Tell us a little bit about uh, this resolution that you introduced. Uh, you introduced it with uh, Mike Johnson, a Republican from Louisiana, on the twentieth. Tell us a little bit about what it is and uh, why this is so important. Yeah, so this is any, any parent who has kids who are online these days has to empathize with this. We have four kids, uh, two teenagers and two a little bit younger. And as we're, you know, we're out there trying to protect our kids from a lot of that awful content on the internet. And, uh, you know, I know as a, as a, parents that we can't be everywhere all the time. And, and part of it is we're teaching our kids to make good decisions, to be wary of, of things that are out there. But some of it is, um, you know, I, I think we have to put some burden on the uh, technology, the app developers and that, because one of the things that I know as a parent is, you know, there, there's technology where I can say that, you know, I don't want my kids accessing mature content. Um, but there are other apps that, that say they're for kids ages 11 and up, and they have some really mature content on there. And I want to know, I want to put some of the onus and responsibility on the app developers to, um, to, help, to help us with this. And so uh, what the resolution does is it calls on, um, you know, starting with, with a light touch, it calls on the industry to develop a, rate, a better rating system, similar to what you have with movies. You know, I know that if, I, if I'm going to a PG movie, that I'm going to get one type of content. Our rated movie is going to have different type of content. And um, we can judge our, our, and determine our viewing uh, patterns based on that. But apps, just they're just not as um, – I think they're a little bit more loosey-goosey. And so you have apps that say they're appropriate for kids ages 11 and up when they really have some very mature content on there. So it calls for the creation of an independent rating agency – uh, this wouldn't be a government institution. It would be like the motion picture one that's independent from government. Right. Um, but then they have real standards, uh, standards that help, can help me as a parent to have those filters that can protect my kids from 
from some of the really harmful content. And, you know, there's, there's apps out there that kids are using like TikTok or even Instagram that uh, are pretty innocent in the, in the hands of the right user, but um, really has some predatory and some, some content out there that can find our kids. And there's right. grooming that happens on these, uh, on these apps and um, really, you know, they need to decide if they want to have some of that content on there, then they've got to give it a more mature rating. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And I love the fact that this resolution does start, as as you said, Congressman, with a light touch, a call for the industry to to take ownership of it and, and to let the free market really drive a, a meaningful rating system that people can count on. Uh, you've got some other steps built in there uh, just in case uh, they don't choose to really step up and, and be responsible. Tell us about those quickly. Yeah, so I mean, we we would um, start with a light touch, but um, if it if the industry doesn't respond to that, then we could come in and establish criteria for appropriate app ratings. Uh, we could review those app ratings and, and descriptions of the most downloaded apps, and then impose sanctions for noncompliance. Uh, the hope is really. You know, as, just as it's hard for me as a parent to monitor everything my kids do online, and we've got to teach my kids to have uh, good judgment, and and you know that falls on all of us. And I think I'd take a similar approach to the industry. And when my kids don't exercise good judgment, there are consequences for that. So, you know, the first hope would be to say government's not going to be able to regulate all content online. We probably shouldn't regulate all content right. online. Uh, we're going to put it to the industry to come up with some standards to help parents understand what type of content is on these apps and and really to police themselves and if they don't do that uh then there need to be consequences for for allowing some of this uh really content that's preying upon our kids and uh to to be sanctioned but hopefully the industry would respond favorably and recognize that this really is important for them to do to to take a leadership role in in, in these apps and protecting, uh, or at least trans, uh, being transparent about, about what type of content is, is in these apps so that then families can protect themselves from content they don't want their kids to be exposed to. Yeah, that, that's so important. And I, I know you introduced this with uh, one of your Republican colleagues, uh, Mike Johnson from uh, Louisiana. What has the uh, reception been? I, I think it's so easy for us to, to get lost in uh, impeachment shuffle and, and all of the uh, the real hardcore uh, partisan rancor that's out there, uh, but there is a lot of good work that is being done in Washington uh, that is bipartisan, that is getting some things done for the American people. What's been the early response uh, to the resolution? Well, I think the response has been been really good. I think I, I share your frustration. You know, it seems like uh, all the news talks about, and I, I'm not blaming the news on this, but is impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And um, I'm not on any of the impeachment committees. So my work, you know, I'm spending no time in my week really focused on impeachment. I'm focused on things, on passing legislation and working in a bipartisan way to, to try to bring solutions to some of our challenges from the big ones to the small ones. And so I passed a bill through the House last week to address financial fraud, an issue that um, Unfortunately, uh, Utah sees more than its right. share of financial fraud. And then, th- uh, then introducing right before Thanksgiving this work on, on technology and technology calling on the industry to protect children from dangerous content in apps. And so the reception, both, I think it's important that we recognize that this is 
this is bipartisan. Uh, Republicans and Democrats love their kids, and we want to protect our kids from uh, mature content that they 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 shouldn't be exposed to. It could be harmful to them, really, in, in those young years. Uh, the the reception in Congress has been warm, and you know I've talked to a lot of a lot of my colleagues, Republicans and Democrats, who are parents, and they lament that you know I live a busy life, my wife is busy mm-hmm. when I'm in D.C. with our four kids. We can't be everywhere at all times. And my colleagues share that sentiment. They say, I can't be everywhere at all times for my kids. And the, and there's so much awful content out there online. It's hard to protect your kids from right. every bit of it. Yeah. And so having an industry that helps us at least know what content's out there and then set the standards that are right for our family is important. So the reception's been good, good. Uh, in Congress. And um, I hope that industry understands how important this is and and uh, doesn't fight it, but works with us to to get an approach that uh, that works to protect our kids from this dangerous content. Fantastic, Representative Ben McAdams, Utah's fourth district. Thanks so much for joining us today. Great work, and uh, very important that we get this uh, good guidance and monitoring uh, for for our kids, really protecting them uh, on these apps. Thank you, Boyd. All right, again, that's Representative Ben McAdams joining us uh, there on the news line, and uh, we'll continue to follow that as it works its way through Congress. I think it's an important one. It is a bipartisan issue uh, that I think can get done, and I do just want to reemphasize that there there is good work being done in Washington, D.C. It, it's easy to get caught and bogged down in, in all of the anger and the angst that's uh, that's happening around impeachment proceedings and hearings Uh, There is work being done by a lot of good people on both sides of the aisle, and we want to make sure we're highlighting those actions and those things that are actually doing the work of the American people. Really important stuff. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside. When we come back, don't miss it. Uh, We're going to talk about what a difference a day makes. Find out why right here on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Hide sources. What a difference. A day made 24 little hours Welcome back to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. You may wonder why are we playing What a Difference a Day Makes today? Uh, Because a day can make all the difference. And uh, it was actually 60 years ago. Uh, that Dinah Washington won a Grammy for her soulful rendition of that song, What a Difference a Day Makes. And uh, as we just heard it, uh, this has really been uh, going through my mind over the weekend, over the Thanksgiving break there, that that one line in particular that, that provides just a, a real powerful perspective, uh, not just for individuals, but really for the, the history of nations. And it is that line, What a Difference a Day Makes, 24 Little Hours, Brought the Sun and the Flowers, Where the where there used to be rain. Uh, and I found it true that uh, that those 1,440 minutes that do make a day uh, can make all the difference in driving change and even changing a destiny. And some people say, well, wait a minute, come on, it's just a day. And one day out of 365, that seems pretty insignificant. Uh, one day out of a decade, out of 3,650 3, days, uh, that's barely a blip on the radar screen especially in the the context of history. But those days can alter everything. And it's important for us to recognize that. Uh, Here's a couple of examples. Uh, Think of June 6, 1944. Uh, Over 156,000 Americans, British, and Canadian forces 
executed what remains the largest amphibious military assault in history. Uh, they, they stormed the beaches of Normandy. Uh, 4,000 soldiers lost their lives on that day. Thousands more were wounded. But those brave soldiers made that one day, that one day, became marked as the beginning of the end of the war in Europe. It was just a day. But it was a day that was crucial to the cause of freedom. So some days are defined like D-Day by those who are willing to to take a stand. Uh, Others, like Sunday, December 1st, uh, which happens to mark the 64th anniversary of the day Rosa Parks made her stand when she refused to yield her seat to a white man on an Alabama bus. And uh, over the weekend, there was a, uh, a new statue of uh, Rosa Parks unveiled in Montgomery, Alabama. Interesting, the uh, Alabama mayor, Stephen Reed, uh, first African-American mayor of that city, they unveiled uh, that beautiful statue of Rosa Parks. Uh, and so that was her day. So December 1st, 2019 marks the 64th anniversary of that day that Rosa Parks made her stand. And she was just one person. Rosa Parks was just one person on one bus on one ordinary day in Montgomery, Alabama. But her action provided that that critical spark uh, that really fanned the flames and, and fueled what ultimately became the success of the, the civil rights movement. And so it is just an ordinary day, just 24 hours, 1,440 minutes. But they can make all the difference. Uh, I don't know how many of you watched uh, a little football over the Thanksgiving weekend. We watched probably too much at my house, uh, but it was great. Uh, We watched the Ohio State-Michigan game on Saturday, and it it was a a fascinating moment there. Uh, The running back, the star for Ohio State, uh, J.K. Dobbins, uh, had a huge game, 211 yards, four touchdowns. And there was this moment where the Fox announcer, Gus Johnson, uh, was talking about uh, J.K. Dobbins and where he had come from. And he made a a really interesting statement. Uh, He talked about uh, Dobbins' mother, Maya, and how she became pregnant when she was 18 years old. She went to the doctor on a very ordinary day. Uh, She was thinking about aborting the baby. And then the announcer just said, and she changed her mind. And she then uh, proceeded to call that young man, J.K. Dobbins, was her miracle baby. And so that was just an ordinary day, but it made a huge difference. And those kind of days happen every day. Uh, Another interesting football note over the weekend, uh, Warwick Dunn, who had a great uh, pro football career, college career at uh, Florida State, a great running back. Uh, He started early in his career uh, giving homes away. Uh, to single uh, mothers. And he's given, I think the number now is like 170 homes that he has given away as part of his charity and his nonprofit work. Uh, His determination to to really make a difference out there. Uh, But it's interesting if you you unravel that a little bit and back it up a little bit. So he's given 170-something homes. Uh, If you go back in time about a decade, he was giving away home number 64, And he just happened to give that home to the mother of a young man named Deshaun Watson. 
Deshaun Watson ended up uh, having a stellar career at Clemson and is now a high-profile quarterback for the Texas uh, for the Texans, Houston Texans, uh, having a, a great season as well. Uh, but it was Warwick Dunn, a football player. Uh, Deshaun said at that point, uh, you know, they really didn't have any place good to to live. They were struggling as a family. He was getting old enough to where he really was going to make some big life choices, directional choices. And at that moment, Warwick Dunn gave them a house that gave them room to grow. It gave them safety and security and certainty that they could really become part of a community. And so Warwick Dunn, I'm sure there's no way Warwick Dunn could have imagined that that one day, that one day would have made a difference and created space for someone to also become an NFL football star. And now Deshaun Watson is trying to pay it forward in his own way. Uh, but it just happens. It's, it's just these ordinary days. And when we take advantage of those ordinary days, extraordinary things happen. It's just the way it works. It's just how history goes. And so what we do during those ordinary days does matter. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget uh, one of those days for me. I was 19 years old. Uh, looking at, you know, what matters, what's important. And my dad gave me an audio cassette tape. That tells you how old I am today. And he said, you ought to listen to this. And so I popped it into the machine and hit play. And it just happened to be Hiram W. Smith, uh, the founder of the Franklin Planner, ultimately what turned into Franklin Covey, uh, organization that continues to work today. Uh, but those were the early days uh, of Franklin Planners and the Franklin Training System, their principal-based training programs. Uh, and that one day, on that one day, I listened to Hiram Smith, and I listened to it over and over and over again. Uh, and like many uh, who listened to Hiram Smith, it became uh, really part of how you approach leadership, how you approach productivity, the pursuit of excellence, accomplishing things that matter in life, uh, understanding what your values were and, and how to live them a little bit better. Uh, and it was one day, but I listened to his voice. I listened to, he often would uh, do his version of there is no chance, no fate, no destiny that can circumvent, hinder, or control the firm resolve of a, con of a determined soul. Uh, and I know there are millions of people across the world who can say that just the way Hiram did. Uh, because they also had their one days where it made a difference for them. Uh, Hiram W. Smith passed away recently. Uh, his funeral will be down uh, in the St. George area tomorrow. Uh, and I'm grateful to his family, to his wife, Gail, and their children uh, for lending Hiram to us uh, because he made one day a very important day uh, for me uh, and for so many others. He was an extraordinary talent, a gifted writer, one of the greatest speakers I think our nation has ever produced. And he did it by focusing on principles, principles that are timeless uh, and that do make a difference. So today, it's your day. It's your one day. What are you going to do with it? Tomorrow's Giving Tuesday. Be ready for that for sure. And come back tomorrow. We'll talk about it here on KSL News Radio on Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, as you go out in the world today, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts and do something that makes a difference.